with the keys to the offense being handed back to Mike White, it only begs one question. Is this the end of Zach Wilson in New York? What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to Jet Nation Live. I'm your host, Dylan Terriman. That is Glenn Naughton. We're both part of JetNation.com. Thank you for tuning in to episode 17 of our show. Folks, I don't even really want to talk about it, but the Jets lost a fourth straight game. Another surging opponent in the Jacksonville Jaguars who are on a bit of a heater as of late. Similar story with the Detroit Lions the week before. Quite frankly, it was, it's was it been a week because it was Thursday night football and I had a very relaxing weekend without Jets football to worry about. Uh, Glenn, how was your holiday knowing that another Jets loss under 500, but there's actually a chance at the playoffs, a real, real, real chance at the playoffs. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. And I, I got to tell you, Dylan, I think with the with it being a Thursday night game and having had Christmas with the family, um, as you know, we went to Belgium for a couple days. Mm-hmm. That game feels like it was last season. Like Seriously. I feel like that game feels I've if you would have asked me like quick who they play last, I would have been like, oh God, who like I would have needed a second. Mm-hmm. The game feels like it was a million years ago. Um thoughts on the game or you know, I've I've had these sort of back and forth on Twitter, you know, after the Lions game and now after the Jaguars game, where I keep saying, and I was actually, I just saw about an hour ago on Connor Hughes, it looks like, I, I didn't watch his video, but I saw his, you know, they'll, they'll drop a couple of quotes in the tweet from what he said during the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, exactly what I've been saying to people, like, people are talking about this defense, like, oh, we knew they weren't that good to begin with. Like, they have, and, and, I'm like, if the standard is like you've got to hold the other team to six or you suck, like you just it's so unrealistic. This team goes out and gives up 19 points. And it was like, oh, but they gave up a long drive. Okay. You, you, you don't you don't lose by yards, you lose by points. And they only gave up 19 of them. And I see people on Twitter like, oh, I knew this defense was overhyped. They suck, they're not that good. Like they they basically are in a situation where they've got to they've got to hold the other team to like seven or less, or they're probably not going to win. Um, and and people are talking about them like, oh, they, we we knew they were no good to begin with, and it's crazy, it's it's crazy. But but Zach Wilson's great. He's awesome. He's got a winning record. He's very handsome. His mother's a nice lady. Um, you know, he's very polite. Um, and there's nothing to criticize about Zach Wilson. Defense, on the other hand, they gave up 10 points to the Lions. Like, what a what a garbage unit. It's time to clean house, get rid of all these guys, and just prop up Zach Wilson, you know, just find ways to make him better because it's all about him. Yeah, if the standard is holding the other team to simply six points, there's probably 32 bad defenses in the NFL. So uh, it's been three games now, 20, 20, and 19 are the points allowed by the Jets. But then you look at the points scored, 12, 17, and three. So – to me, and, I don't blame. And, and of those points, a few of those are, you know, those are, you know, one of the scores against the Lions, that, that was an interception. They got returned to the five or ten yard line. They kicked the field goal. De- yep. That's not a defense. That's not on the defense. What the hell could they have done? Like, oh, you didn't block the field goal. Like, th- there's nothing you can do in that spot. That's th- Those are points given up by the offense as far as I'm concerned. And when you look at – they've had a couple of those. So when you're, when you're giving up 19, 20 points a game and three of them are, you know, that the offense handed the ball to them deep in your own territory – the defense is even better than that. Exactly. And the only three points that they could muster up against Jacksonville's defense came on the very first drive when they started in the red zone because of a yep. Quinn and Williams strip sack on the yep. first third down of the football game. So 
I'm I'm of the belief that I'm never going to blame this defense until we actually see like week one or two type mistakes that were happening in the the red zone area, like the miscommunications right. and that's simple stuff that was already fixed and cleared. They've proven that they're a top five unit throughout rushing uh, through the air on the ground. It doesn't matter. They're top five, top eight in all metrics. And then it's funny because I had three offensive stats that just proved how bad the game was. Five pre-snap penalties, four in the first half. I believe two of them were on George Fant. He has a, a penalty in every single game he's played in but one. Mm-hmm. Um, no run game, 10 carries for 11 yards by your running backs. You have a backup practice squad quarterback who comes in nine for 54 on the ground as your leading rusher. And it's PFF, so grain of salt with the grades, but it's their worst grade of the season offense, just overall offense, 43.7. So it, it doesn't get any worse than that. So I, I can't blame the defense for those, those shitty situations, quite frankly, that Zach Wilson was putting them in. I know there was a little bit of a spark with Chris Strebler for the three drives he was in, but it was all obviously too little too late. And that's going to lead us into it. I think we can just kind of put the Jaguars to bed. Like you said, it's been so long. We're not going to, we're just not even going to talk about it. We're going to skip right into the important stuff. The quarterback news, Zach Wilson, obviously his second benching of the season, uh, kind of his third, if you count the injury, obviously he can't help that one, but his second benching of the season due to performance, Mike White medically cleared. Some say it was Laurent DuVernay to D, uh, Tardif who cleared him medically to play. Um, neither here nor there. Um, jo- Joe Flacco, quarterback to Zach Wilson, back in street clothes on the sidelines. Is this the right answer? I feel like everything we've talked about says this is the right answer, but I, I want to hear your thoughts now that it's Mike's job, uh, barring injury for the rest of the season. Well, it's it's got to be. I mean, it's listen, nobody, these guys, Zach Wilson right now, and, you know, the same could be said for the, the limited action Joe Flacco, the couple snaps he had against Buffalo. Like, you could make the case that Mike White is the only NFL quarterback on the roster. Um, I guess that's a little bit unfair to Flacco because, you know, it, it, he did have some moments early in the year. And if, uh, if God forbid, they need him to play, if he steps up, you know, maybe, uh, maybe he it, – it's going to – you know, I said earlier in the week, and especially once Mike White was cleared, you know, and I, I did a, a little video during the week and said that, listen – you know these guys. You, you can only you can only expect so much out of them. Like, but this O line, as you know, they've been banged up all year. I get it, but this is the biggest game of the year for them because they either have to stop the Seahawks from from you know targeting Mike White's ribs, which you one hundred percent expect them to do. Yeah. Um, and if if they successfully get to Mike White, which you hope they don't, but if they do, and you have to go to Flacco, now it's even that much more important that you hold up and pass pro. Because he's he's a, a dinosaur back there. He's a statue. And listen, it's it's if they can just hold up the, the the difference here between you know Mike White or Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson is that at least White and Flacco are are decisive and the ball can come mm-hmm. out. They're not going to need three, four, five seconds with every play the way Zach does. So that helps a little. Obviously, that makes life easier on the O line. And the O line, look, I said it the other day. Um, and the broadcaster said it, anybody watching it saw it when that, when Zach Wilson came out of the game, the O-line came to life. And I really feel like, you know, we've talked about Dwayne Brown and, you know, and the receivers and and the, the, their reactions to Zach Wilson's failures. And they're very clearly frustrated. And these, these people, they are human beings. And when you're out there and you've, you've had four five, 600 snaps worth of garbage quarterback play where, you know, 
it doesn't matter if you block your guy or not because it's going to be incomplete or it's going to be picked off. Like, you may not even realize it, but your play is – I'm not saying guys are going out there like, I don't care, and I'm going to get the quarterback killed. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there is an element – there's the human element that, I, as I said, Robert Sala loves to reference the human element. You know, that that these guys aren't robots and we have to think about, you know, how they feel and even even if it's subconscious. Like, these guys go out there knowing – that once the, once the offense puts 10 points on the board, like the game is pretty much over. So mm-hmm. when, when the game is close and another quarterback comes in, and this is what Zach Rosenblatt, uh, the New York Daily News, tweeted out the other day. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I had them written down the other day. But basically, statistically, the Jets' offensive line, in terms of pass protection, when there's anyone with Zach Wilson under center, is top 10 in the NFL in pass pro. But they're like 26, 27th when it's Zach Wilson. So these guys, I real and you know, again, that's affected by Zach making poor decisions, holding on to the ball too long. As you know, we've talked, I've said a million times, the bailing on the clean pockets, all that stuff affects that. But when the when the quarterback is decisive, and the offense offensive line feels like it matters, they've played like a top ten unit. Are they a top ten unit? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But if they're if they're eighteenth, I'm I'm fine with that. Like, just don't be the 31-32 that you look like when Zach Wilson is in there. And this is, listen, people, oh, how is Zach supposed to throw the ball? We have no run game. You have no run game because he can't throw the ball. Teams are daring him to beat them. Exactly. And because he's not good. And I'm watching this game. They 10, 11 guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And I got people like, well, oh, this old line sucks. Why can't they block? Why can't five guys block 11? I don't know. You tell me. Um, and that's pretty much what the Jets have been up against. Just that little bit, just having Mike White, a guy who can get the ball out, this should open up the running game, even if it's a little bit. We don't need Bam Knight to run for 150 yards. If he ran for 60 or 70, it'd be nice, and that should be an attainable thing with a quarterback who can make keep, it, keep a defense honest. Yeah, and the, the extra added bonus to all of that that you didn't mention is when Chris Strebler came on the field in that second half, you actually saw the team – willing to block and do their job more it just seemed like like you said they were just kind of going through the phases yeah when Zach Wilson's on the field they're just kind of going through the phases and I talked about this last week on the episode I did solo that Willie Colon mentioned it on SNY that if you're in a five to seven step drop and you are not fully taking your five to seven step drop your offensive linemen are taking a five to seven step pass set. So you're making them look bad in situations where you're not even getting to the top of your drop just to go escape a clean pocket. Like you just mentioned. So all these things play into effect with the offensive line play. And those stats were jarring from Zach Rosenblatt. When you heard them on the, when you mentioned them on your, your midweek show, I was just, I was astounded. And I started looking up more beat writer stats. And I found this because it seems like Record is what everybody wants to cling to is Zach Wilson. He's six and four or whatever on the season. And Mike White is one and two. Connor Hughes, um, he of SNY, he said that with the 22 games with Zach Wilson in the offense, points per game, 17.2, passing yards, 182, total yards, 274. Uh, All other quarterbacks, it's a 10-game sample size, so not as big. 21 and a half points per game, 315 net passing yards per game, 411 total yards per game. So you're just, you're in two different ballparks here. The offensive yeah. scheme that Michael Flores is putting together works just for everybody, but Zach Wilson. So at this point, I, I feel like the only answer we got out of the Jacksonville game, it had nothing to do with playoffs. It had everything to do with the quarterback situation and who it's really not going to be. That's it's pretty fair to say. Um, 
I kind of compiled a list of 2023 quarterbacks that we wanted to touch on because at this point we're in the market and we're not going to sit here and have another draft discussion and chew each other's heads off till April over quarterbacks that probably aren't going to end up on the team anyway. So we both agreed we're going to look at veteran quarterbacks only. And I also added the market value according to spot rack. Now that's not, that's not written in stone what these players are supposed to make or are going to make. Obviously it could be much more uh, inflated when it comes time and there's competition, but I looked at these four factors when it came into the quarterback position, obviously cost draft picks, future assets, dollars, uh, age contract uh, length. So obviously you don't want uh, a five-year contract on an aging quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, the comp- the competition, the other teams that are going to be involved, whether to jack the price up or because they're actually interested. And the one that I think is probably the most important from an internal perspective, and that's which one is not going to get Joe Douglas and Robert Sala fired if they fail. So with that, I've made a list. We can just kind of group it out. I'll give you a couple names. We can go back and forth on them. I, I listed them in order by dollar amount um, based on spot racks market value. So the top three guys Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson at 40 million, Tom Brady at 40 million, Geno Smith, uh, our quarterback rival this week at 36 million market value. So any of those top three names really do anything for you? Um, I'm not paying 36 million for a guy who had one good year. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if he threw 80 touchdown passes. Um, and really, I, I, I know Seattle's been sort of floundering. I think they've lost four or five or four out of five or something like that. Yes. Um, and the offense hasn't looked quite as good. So whatever Gino was doing, are people catching on? I don't know. But 36 million, not a chance. Um, Brady and Lamar. I mean, Brady obviously is going to be what a one or two year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're going to tell me they're keeping Zach and Brady will be a mentor, that makes a little more. I like that idea. Um, Lamar obviously would mean you're getting rid of, um, uh, Zach Wilson, which I don't have a problem with if you're replacing him with Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. 40 million, it's so much, but it is the going rate. So, I mean, look, if, if, uh, if, um, Zach Wilson were to, you know, if he didn't suck right now, he would be, tr- you know, trending toward getting 50 million in a couple of years mm-hmm. where that's probably where quarterback salaries will be. So it's, it's a... It's a lot of money, but um, I would I would at least consider it with Lamar Jackson. Um, I know people, oh, he's never won anything. Listen, a lot of guys go a lot of years without winning anything until they win something. That's just exactly. kind of the way it goes, you know. Um, only one guy gets to win it every year, and as we know, there's one guy who wins it every couple years. So that really, you know, dwindles. Like how many how many active quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl? Not a lot. Does that mean all the rest of them suck? And you wouldn't want any of them on your team. You wouldn't want Deshaun Watson. Well, you may not want Deshaun Watson, but you wouldn't want <laughs> Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? You wouldn't want right. Josh Allen. Josh Allen's never won a Super Bowl. You want him on your team, right? You know, like you only want Hello, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Nobody else is a lot on your roster. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. So I would I would take either one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I always think that that narrative with Lamar is silly because he had the most wins before turning 25 in the NFL history. So I understand it's not playoffs, but he is a winner. Like he can win. I understand they have their miscues in the playoffs for whatever reason. Sometimes it's not him. Sometimes it is him. But yeah, $40 million. I think people will scoff at that like right now. But yeah, like you said, in three years, Trevor Lawrence is certainly on pace for 50 to 60 million the way he was playing against the Jets and how he has played down the stretch. Zach Wilson could have been on that trajectory. What's that? 
I said the way he's played against everybody right now. Yeah, exactly. So Tom Brady, I think, I mean, it would just be hilarious from a storyline perspective. I don't know how I'd I feel about it, but I, you know what, man, listen, you have a chance in every game. And I, I had a gut feeling as much as I didn't want to admit it while Brady was in new England, even though he was buttoned, you know, tight lip, like everybody else in new England is under Belichick. And I thought to myself, I bet he's a really funny dude. Like, mm-hmm. I bet he's got a, like, just the something about, like, I'm not saying he's not, like, there's not a douchey aspect to him, but just, I'm like, I bet he has a lot more personality than he gets to show in New England. Yeah. And we're seeing it from him. Some of the funny tweets and the interactions, like, you know, not so funny this year. Um, but, you know, he he's a guy who, he's, he, I, I think I tweeted it, like, during this offseason or something. I said, I hate to say it, but Tom Brady's a likable guy. You know, now that he's not a Patriot, like, he's, I like the guy. He's mm-hmm. not. You know, I'm gonna get mad because he was great. Like, you know, yeah, you get you get mad when he complains about you know, like once every you know, once every eight nine games he doesn't get a call and he loses his mind. Sure, which is, which is annoying as hell. Like, get over it. Um, but he's a likable guy. He's a winner. Um, with this offense, with these weapons, I, I, I think really, I think he's gonna if he wants to come to the AFC East, I think he's gonna want to go to Miami. Yeah, and I wonder with all the uh, tampering things that happened, obviously they surrendered a first-round pick because of the um, findings of them tampering with Tom Brady. So I don't know how that will turn out, but it's always a possibility, and I I wouldn't rule it out. I certainly don't think the Jets would be any favorite for Tom Brady. And just to touch on Geno Smith, yeah, I'm I'm cool with any type of reunion like that. Um, The next group of quarterbacks is a little bit more intriguing, I think. Maybe not talent-wise, but Jimmy Garoppolo, thirty-four point nine million. Daniel Jones, twenty-five and a half million, and then Taylor Heineke, nineteen point eight. He's kind of the least intriguing there. Yeah, um, Heineke is a no. Um, who was the first one? Jimmy G. No, I, I was fine with him until the, another injury. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's too much now. Um, every year he's got something. Whether he's missing two or three games or five or six games. You can't not for that money. I can't go forty million on a guy who's had that many injuries. I just no, nah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think if his price tag was way more team friendly, obviously it would be, you know, more reasonable to bring him in and possibly have Mike White come in on a a deal that makes him a two with competing opportunities, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and Daniel Jones to me, I just think if the Giants are having this much success with him, obviously there's not much around him. They're still in the playoff hunt. Just keep them. Just you, you keep yeah. them and you pay them. Like there, yeah. there's no need to like risk it on the free agent market. So now we get to the kind of bottom barrel of the bat of, of the barrel. Baker Mayfield, 6.1 million. Sam Darnold. I think he's 5.5. Teddy Bridgewater and Gardner Minshew had no value on them. So you can just give your thoughts on those. I listen, I, I mentioned Minshew like a month or so ago, like yeah. when, when, when Zach lost the job and, you know, there was talk about, you know, who's the, who's the next guy. Um, I would bring Minshew in and at least have him compete. Um, what has he got? 41 career touchdowns and 12 picks. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's a, you know, he's a flaky, weird guy, of course, but you know what? It, so what? Um, I would mm-hmm. take him and Baker's listen, Baker's worth considering, you know, Baker, he, he won 11. Well, he, the, he, you know, the Browns won 11 games a couple of years ago, but he played well, yep. you know, um, you know, is one. You know, we we both make fun of the Zach Wilson record thing, but that's because the team won while he sucked. But like, yeah, Baker Mayfield's team was eleven and five, and Baker Mayfield played well. So while those are not solely his wins, he was part of the reason for the wins. He wasn't 
you know, the team didn't have to overcome his play to win games. Um, then last season he plays hurt, and then the Browns get rid of him because they have a chance to bring in Deshaun Watson. Um, and, you know, there were supposedly some some issues with locker room maturity. That that would be my biggest concern with him is, you know, Baker Mayfield has this rep for being sort of a me guy and a little – not even a me guy, but just, just an immature guy. Sure. I don't know if the Jets want that in their locker room. But um, I would – probably of that group you just mentioned, he would be at the top, Darnold probably at the bottom. Um and you know Heineke in the middle there, but I, I would go I would go Baker and then Minshew, maybe even those two tied, um, because you know Baker's probably the higher ceiling, but Minshew's you know no I mean different maturity issues like he's just a clown. Yeah, yeah. He's not like a bad locker room guy. He's just somebody people are gonna look at kind of funny. Um, so I would uh, yeah I've seen some people for Minshew. I've seen some people against. And I, again, I just look at this team, this roster, where they are, the way he's played, and I'm like I. They'd be a, they would be a playoff team right now if he was their quarterback. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I, do, I don't want to say I'm fully there on Baker Mayfield, but with Gardner Minshew, I feel very confident that this team would be a playoff team just based on the, the consistency that he plays with. Um, I obviously assume that if you were to approach a Baker Mayfield or a Gardner Minshew, you wouldn't be offering them any substantial money and that you would be more likely bringing in Mike White as a QB2. So – what do you think Mike White's value would be in that scenario? Obviously, if he's a starter, it raises his price significantly. But if he's just like a quarterback two kind of, maybe he, they'll tell him he can compete with a Baker Mayfield, but really it's Baker and he just has incentive. So what kind of deal do you think Mike White could even get? Because he's an unrestricted free agent. And I think a lot of people forget about that. That makes it really like a, a knot in this whole situation is he's not even guaranteed for next year. Only Zach Wilson is. So. Yeah, well, here's the thing is, is, as crazy as it sounds, like these next two weeks, he, he might make himself a lot of money. Yeah. As, if he gets them into the playoffs and wins a playoff game, then he becomes a $20 million guy. Like, especially if he does it with these numbers he's put up. He puts up 300, 320 plus each of the next two weeks and wins both of those games and they go to the playoffs. You know, the problem is, though, and I've, I've said this because, you know, a few people and listen, I've said this before. You look at my Twitter, look, look, you know, as Robert Sala would say, check my receipts. <laughs> like there's, there's, you won't find a Jets person on Twitter that was a bigger Mike White fan coming out in the draft. I sent a million tweets saying draft this guy, draft this guy. Yeah. Um, And obviously they didn't, but now, you know, I was thrilled when they picked him up. So I, I love Mike White. I do. But you cannot have, even if he plays well these next two weeks and wins a playoff game, he's had too many injuries in too short of a time frame to hand him the keys and say, you're our guy now. And it's unfortunate, and it sucks. And listen, I'm not even saying he's injury prone. Like I, I've seen people call him injury prone. I'm like, he like equivalent got hit by a truck against Buffalo, and we're called like he's brittle. Yeah, oh, this oh, dude can't stay healthy. Any oh, quarterback's getting hurt. Hit him in the head with, with a sledgehammer, and he needed a day off. Like this guy can't stay healthy. No, he's a, he's a human being who got hit, drilled in the ribs at 100 miles an hour, and they broke, and so he missed some time. Like that's not injury prone. However. It's it's one of several injuries, so he kind of gets that label a little bit. Or just the question: Can he stay healthy? Well, can you can you not get him bent in half like a folding chair? Um, is the question for the Jets? But yeah, it, that's that's the short the, the short answer is sample size plus injury history means you can't hand him the keys. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And one last time, screw you, Matt Milano. Watching that Jaguars game, all I can think stop. about is is Good how job. much. Yeah, exactly. And it was a form hit. It was a clean hit. Clean, no, he's never, never going to see a fine for that. So I commend him for doing it properly. But God damn it. Just 
put everything into a twist, but um, yeah, yeah it, it's tough. I don't think anybody, and we have a comment here from Billy that says no one's going to give Mike White 20 million a season. I don't know. You, cause you never not know. Right like, now they're not. Of course. Like I said, if he if, wins in the next three weeks, he wins the playoff game. Exactly. If, if I'm, not, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm saying he gets into that neighborhood. Sure. Exactly. If he, you know, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if he even gets us there, performs well enough in the playoff game to not be the reason you lose right. the playoff yep. game. Yep. It's not even a matter of the jets having to pay him 20 million. There's suitors all of a sudden that are in the market that could just raise the price. And all of a sudden it's $20 million, maybe with incentives, but and look, at, and, and look at the market right now. Look exactly. At the it's just skyrocketing. They're not that yep. good. They're not that good. No, it's no. not like uh, it, this isn't 10 years ago where you have to be a superstar quarterback to, to make 20 million a year. No, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up quarterback salaries real quick. Thanks to uh, our our friends at OverTheCap.com. Yeah, here. perfect. I was gonna say I had just four more names that I wanted to list because they're not yep. free agents and they have to be traded for at this current moment. Obviously, things could change once the offseason hits. But the first one, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers, who is probably the most intriguing. Uh, comes with a lot of money um, so far, unless the Packers do a lot of the um, handling uh, on their end. Derek Carr, who was just benched um, for the Raiders, <clears throat> he's not going to see the field for the rest of the season. Um, it's all signs pointing like a, um, a divorce for them. Jared Goff, who I think is unlikely to leave Detroit, but you never know. They have two top first-round picks. They could end up you know, sneaking a quarterback in if they think they like one. And then the last one, which is more of like a big, big brain theory. I don't even think he fits the scheme, really, but it would just be a fun storyline if they burned it all down in Arizona. But go trade for Kyler Murray. So... Any of those four names, it's hard not, with ACL. So I'm any of those four Kyler names, Murray. I'm not touching Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um. No. I. I know. Listen. I know they rescinded it, but I don't know if they don't realize how bad of a look it was. I don't want any player oh, on my team where you incentives where if you work hard, we'll pay you more. Yeah. No. That's tough. That's tough. And he and he's been from what I've watched this year, he's been pretty bad. Um. But listen, Derek Carr, I think, is the obvious one. He's in a very unique situation mm-hmm. in that uh, things for his team fell apart in a hurry, but he's got a full no-trade clause. So yeah. if he, if they want to trade him, he can just avoid any trade he doesn't want. Um, and again, I, I, here's what bothers me. Here's what I shouldn't say bo- – here's what worries me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I won't go on too much of a tangent here. But the, the Tua situation means Miami needs a quarterback too. And so the Jets are going to be competing with Miami for a quarterback. And um, I'll say this because I don't think I touched on this after the Tyreek Hill thing because I didn't want it to seem like I was bitching about that situation. That situation is what reminded me of it. I've been saying for years the NFL needs to fix themselves and adjust the salary cap per team based on tax rate. You can't have a salary cap to say we're going to do this to make things fair. But if the Texans want to sign a guy and the Giants want to sign a guy – they can have the same cap hit, but that player in Texas makes an extra four million, four or five million a year because there's no mm-hmm. state tax. Exactly. So you're really teams that have to teams like anyone in California or New York, New Jersey, like those players, they have to pay them that much more. Um, and you know, depends on where these guys are in their lives, right? Like I always say, like if, if I'm a twenty-something young man with all the money in the world, do I want to be on South Beach or Manhattan? You know what I mean? Tough choice. You're going to choose South Beach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, maybe Derek Carr's a little further along in his life and he just wants to win win, win some games and maybe mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, who knows? But Derek Carr, to me, 
needs to be at the top of the list that, you know, concerns about toughness, may, not toughness, but the whole, the, the cold weather thing. It's, you know, I've talked to some people about that. It's, I've seen it's, it's a big, it, but it's again, small, it's six games. Sure. Maybe not with him. I just mean in general, it's a big thing for a quarterback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's like, zero and six with some really bad numbers in, in cold weather. And um, he was born in Berkeley or wherever Bakersfield. Always in Cali. Yeah, California, Fresno, Oakland, you know, Vegas. Vegas is as cold as he's ever been in his life, basically. Yeah, it's as east as Um, he's lived. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, while he's at the top of my list based on ability, the the cold weather thing does worry me a little bit. Um, So, that yeah, that would be my biggest concern there. I don't think we talked – Jimmy – oh, yeah, we did mention Jimmy G. Yeah, uh, Worrying me there. But, yeah, I I think of all the guys we've touched on, I think the player who is the best player who is – likely available would be would be him i mean people have said aaron Rodgers. like i don't i don't understand how the the packers can make that happen it's like a 70 million dollar cap hit yeah. but there are still people speaking as if this could be a thing and i'm like oh if you say so mm-hmm. i mean if you get them fine i just don't see how it's doable um and car of course you know we'll have we'll have more years left than him and yeah. real real quick on the quarterback salaries sure yeah uh, so Let's see. Carson Wentz, notoriously injured, plays about three games a year and isn't very good. Average salary, $32 million a year. Uh, Jared Goff, slightly above average quarterback, $33 million a year. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's still on an old deal. Ryan Tannehill, he's been an up-and-down guy. To me, not an elite quarterback. $29 million a year. Um, Baker Mayfield, he's on the end of his rookie deal. $15 million a year. Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, came into the year as a starter, fourteen million a year. Marcus Mariota, who is not good at all, um, ten million a year, nine nine point three million a year. So twenty million. You don't have to be elite anymore to get twenty million. Not at all. If you go, Mike White goes out and throws for three hundred and a bit the next couple of weeks, and and wins or almost wins a playoff game. Okay, maybe it's not twenty. He's getting fifteen. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, again, unless he makes it through but gets another small injury, maybe he plays through an injury and teams go, you know what, that's too much. So it's uh, we'll see. Look, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think you know, I remember you're probably too young, Dylan, to, to remember uh, the Scott Mitchell thing, um, with the Lions. Scott Mitchell famously played, he was up, he was Dan Marino's backup, um, and he came in for Marino and played like three or four games and he played all right, and the Lions gave him like a huge contract based on four games. Um, and he was, he was not good. Like it, it, it ended up ended poorly. He was like, I think he was sort of the first guy that I ever saw maybe in the free agent era. He might've been the first cause free agency was still in its infancy. He mm-hmm. might've been the first guy that like we saw a team just throw a ton of money at based on a couple of games and it blew up in their faces. Um, but you know what Mike White at this moment, he's probably, you know, he's probably looking at six, 7 million a year but a couple wins and a playoff win. And I think that he can nearly double that. Yeah. I think it's, it's crazy. Um, Regardless of how you feel about Mike white, that if he does even get you to a playoff game, even into a playoff game, and it isn't the reason you lose, like that money is certainly going to escalate quickly. And Carson Wentz making that much money just baffled me. I, I almost didn't even listen to the rest of the numbers because I was like, how does Carson Wentz as a backup to Taylor Heineke? whose value is we just saw less than 20 million. How is he making in the thirties? Like it just, it's crazy. So yeah. So it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility for anybody. Obviously 
I think if you could do it financially for either one, you go for Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson. I don't care if you, you know, risk future draft assets because those are the quarterbacks that with this roster, you have a window of opportunity that's actually significant. Um, obviously, you can look at the Jimmy G's and the Derek Carr's and that tier of quarterbacks and say, yeah, they could probably get you to the playoffs, but it's probably a, a higher price tag than you like. And there's no real guarantees of, of success. So it's really tough. I'd say, obviously, Rodgers, Lamar are my top two. And then I would say Jimmy G, just because he's like a master of this offense, he knows everybody in the building already. It's just an easy fit. And then fourth, I would probably say Derek Carr, although I really don't like it. The cold weather thing I didn't even think about when I was, you know, yeah. listing my reasons on Twitter. I, I just – I personally have watched Raiders games where he's – dove for the pylon at the one and fumbled it and it became a touchback for the defense. And maybe it's just the games that I watch, there's something bad just happens to happen to him. But like, yeah, that's, I, you know, it, there's that bad things follow him. And I just feel that way. He has 217 career touchdowns, 99 interceptions. So that's a good ratio. Dude's got 80 fumbles on the seat on his career in nine years. Uh, he led the league the last two seasons, 2021 and 2020 in fumbles 11 and 13 He's down to four this year, but like it's a career low in almost every other category statistically for him. Obviously, I'm not, you know, it's an upgrade. And everybody yells at me on Twitter, oh, he's an upgrade. How can you not see that over Zach? You know what? A lot of people are an upgrade over Zach. But does that mean? That's, that's, that's what I was going to say. To say he's an upgrade is a huge, to me, is an understatement. Because like exactly. you said, anyone is an upgrade. Exactly. Um, I, w I would say, rather than say he's an upgrade, I would say he instantly becomes the second best quarterback this franchise has ever had. Certainly, um, yeah, and and really, um, somebody last night was was going over like you look at the Raiders like you forget what a dumpster fire they are like oh, yeah. they they've had like five consecutive first round picks are all off the roster, yeah. um, you know their their entire or their, their yeah I don't know how many picks they had if if they only had five or it was their top five but like their top five picks from twenty twenty all off the roster yeah they're losing guys for homicides they're losing guys for going on social media with guns threatening to kill people like they're just that's the raiders and he's kind of, he's the he's like the guy keeping them afloat all this time yeah um and somebody tweeted out yesterday that like since he's come in the league the raiders have given up more points than anyone in the league like he's never had a good defense yep so i'm looking at all this stuff and i'm looking at his numbers and i'm thinking maybe because I, I i was critical years ago i remember this is probably i don't know six seven years ago when I was like, oh, I can't believe John Idzik passed on Derek Carr because he had Geno Smith on the roster. And people were like, oh, you're an idiot. Carr sucks anyway. I'm like, I, I think he might be good. Like, he's only been in the league a few years, but let's wait and see. Right. He's been pretty good. And I think um, he might be a guy who's underappreciated because he's been on some really bad teams. Um, and I, I, I don't, he's such an, yeah, to say he's an upgrade, like, uh, name some, name a starting quarterback who isn't an upgrade over Zach Wilson. Right. There exactly. But one thing about Jimmy G, though, uh, that I thought of, Dylan, it actually made me worry. I don't know if worry is the right word. But you look at what Brock Purdy is doing. He's playing better than Jimmy G. Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe it really is just that system because they just have not, not just Mr. Irrelevant, but rookie Mr. Irrelevant coming in and yeah. playing better than the guy that we're supposed to get $40 million to. Like, that seems crazy to me. I would even – I don't know. I the injuries, the salary, and the fact that the rookie is outperforming him, I'm out on Jimmy G. I mean, if they get him, fine, but I'm, mm -hmm. I don't want to be part of that anymore.
Yeah, it, it makes it tough. And I think the fourth factor that I brought up, which is which one's not going to get everybody fired if they fail. I feel like Jimmy is just like an easy one to slide in. And maybe that's it. I'm thinking about it too, too lightly. And he's one of the perfect candidates that will get everybody fired because they know who he is. And if he fails, it's like, well, shit, you knew he was injured. You knew he was limited as a, a yeah. athlete. So and you paid him that much money. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of risk factor in every single one, which makes this situation just all that worse. And I mean, think about that. Think think you give him $38 million and then he, he ruptures an ACL in week three. Yeah, ex- and exactly. Now, now it is. Now you are down to Mike White if he resigned with you. And he does well. And then it's like, well, we could have just stuck with this guy. And you, we gave this dude 37, 38 million. Well, that's exactly what people are going to scream. And and I'm not going to relate the situation because one was a rookie being drafted and the other was paid a lot of money. But the Seahawks signed Matt Flynn to a huge contract the year they drafted Russell Wilson in the mm-hmm. third round. So mm-hmm. like you you really never know. Like Obviously, they, no, they know what Mike White is to a degree. But if he comes in next year, he maybe adds 15, maybe 20 pounds to his frame so he can take some hits. Because let's face it, if he's going to play 16, 17 games a season – He's going to need to be a little bit bigger. He's way too skinny to be a starting quarterback and not be a mobile enough quarterback. So right. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit, but it's just it, the situation is so tough because we're in this three, possibly two week purgatory of quarterbacking where we have zero starting quarterbacks, even though we were led to believe by Sal that we had three starting quarterbacks. Maybe we have one and a half with Mike White and, and Joe Flacco who can barely complete a dropback. So I think uh, with that, we can we can curb the quarterback discussion, cross our fingers that the most cost-effective option is the one that works out, and that's Mike White on a team-friendly deal and Zach Wilson with all the fire under his ass to come back in 2023 if it's not completely ruined already. I like the fact that Sal is saying he will not quit on a team or a player that's on the team. Obviously, it's coach speak, but... Until Zach's not in a Jets uniform, he's not going to say anything bad. And he probably won't say anything bad when he leaves the Jets. So people digging at him, trying to get him to say bad things about Zach Wilson, I think it's just – it's kind of silly at this point. I've, like, stopped watching most of the press conferences because it's all about just how can you put down Zach? And it's and if it's not that, how can you put Mike White on a pedestal to lower Zach? And I I don't even like the kid, and I just – I can't stand it anymore. So I'm just – I, want, I just want the clarity, and of course we're not going to get it, but let's hope that Mike White's the guy. It's funny. Uh, I, I find that I'm I'm a little bit of a – not a little bit. I, I've, I've noticed over the years, but now I'm doing it again with Zach, where I'm kind of a contrarian. Like I was a big Zach guy, every, you know, and most people liked him. Mm-hmm. But, as, you know, as as he was playing poorly, I, you know, and, and people were starting to get on him, I defended him early on. But then, like, then it, it becomes a point where it's indefensible. And now, yes. I've been, now I've been on him for a couple months now. You know, like I said, I, I said, you know, what, a, a month and a half ago, I said, hey, I'm a little worried that he can't throw a touchdown pass. And people jumped all over me for it. Yeah. Um, but now that everyone's against him, now I'm trying to go the other way. And I'm like, hang on, are we being too harsh? So now now I'm trying to I mean, there are no positives to be gleaned. I'm not like I'm not like lying to myself. Sure. But now now I'm trying to think like, OK, why should they not give up on him? You know what? what you know, and, and basically it comes down to he's a second rounder. He does still have a ton of talent. And um, uh, you're not going to get much for him in trade. What are you going to get from a five? Like, yeah, what, it's, it's dwindling. A day three pick, even if even a four, what's more valuable, a fourth rounder or or working to try to get him to play to his full potential? You know, so there are reasons to keep him around, but there's also a lot of reasons not to. I just, I, I think it's important to consider both. Like some people, right. 
sports has become like politics. It really has. It's, like, it I'm sticking aside and I'm sticking with it. I don't care what the facts say. This is my side no matter what. You like, have to. Yeah, yeah. Politics, I try to look at both sides and I'm like, well, this makes sense and this doesn't. Like, you have to be honest. And honestly, he sucks. But honestly, he's got a lot of talent. So, like, it's not the worst idea in the world to stick with him and, and work with him. Um, you know, some people say he does become a distraction, which he could. It, it would be like Tebow. If he was the number three quarterback, they'd be asking – every question would be about how Zach doing, what's Zach up to, blah, blah, blah. Oh, for and sure. There would be that – unless the Jets just shut it down and say, look, we're not answering anything about Zach. I get that it's your job, but if you ask a question about it, I'm leaving. Because when we're, when we're ready to say something about Zach, we will. Otherwise, the first time I hear the name Zach, I'm leaving the podium and the, and the presser's over. Like that, maybe you shut it down that way. Yeah, and I think hopefully that's part of the reason why uh, Solid did come out once Mike White was medically cleared and just said, hey, you know what? It's his offense for the rest of the time. Please, for the next three weeks until our season is over officially, whenever that happens, don't ask me another Zach question. I hope that that was kind of what he was doing there. Um, oh, this question say, I missed that. Did he say that? No, no, I'm hoping that that's kind of what it is. Like, oh, I'm okay, Mike White's the guy for the rest of the season. That, yeah, that's what it Please stop. Yeah. yeah. And this question keeps coming up in our comments here. Uh, I believe it's Billy. He's talking about quarterback coaches and how the Jets don't really seem to have a true quarterback coach. Obviously, we've mentioned it on the pod. Um, Napper was supposed to be that guy. Cal Breeze hasn't really lived up to everything. But um, another positional coach was in the news for the Jets this past week and another week long of news. And it's so silly, but it's another positional coach that's going to have to be replaced next season or even, you know, moving forward at at a minimum. And that's, uh, Miles Austin, our wide receivers coach, uh, suspended appeal um, is still in the works, but suspended for a minimum of one year for gambling. Uh, I believe it was just some kind of sportsbook app, but it was a table game. There was a very gray area there, but uh, nonetheless, he's suspended, not going to be with the team. And that made me wonder, is there any other positional coaches that need to be you know, looked at as a potential move or a hire elsewhere. And I think quarterback coach could be in that discussion, depending on who you bring in or if you really plan on saving Zach Wilson. So any thoughts on Miles Austin and any other positional coach that should or could be on the hot seat? Well, the Miles Austin thing, it's its two incredibly stupid things. One, that that rule exists. And two, that he broke it. Like they're yeah. both dumb, you yep. know? Um Listen, you know, we've all had jobs in our lives, you know, you know, the the time I spent in the military, there are dumb rules that I follow because they're the rules. Right. Um, And that that goes in any job where there are expectations and consequences. So I think it's an idiot rule, but it's a rule nonetheless. Listen, you know, listen, I like to drive fast. You know how often I'm driving on a road and I'm doing the speed limit and I'm thinking, especially, you know, who's not driving on a highway at 3 a.m. thinking I should be able to go 120 miles an hour right now. Like, there is not another car on this road. It's true. It's zero danger to anyone. But I don't because it's it's a dumb rule, but I follow it. Um, so, yeah, follow dumb rules because they'll get you suspended for a year. Yeah. In the, the meantime, the... in the meantime, change the dumb rule. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, obviously what happened with Calvin Ridley and him betting on his current team while he was injured, I understand that's definitely crossing a line in the betting realm, but – even if you even if you bet him to win, my only issue is if you bet him to lose. That's yeah. when you go, okay. That's like, oh, okay, I can see it. Yeah, because then like, it's... you know something we don't about somebody being injured, like, right, or some not... tanking going on or something. There's an ethical issue, but if you're like, hey, these are my boys and I believe in them, and I saw them at practice this week, they look great. I'm going to put money. Go ahead. It's yeah, 
that's actually just a very fair point. I feel like, yes, the rule does need to be changed, especially with more states becoming legal to this uh, sports gambling, and it's becoming just a huge market, and everybody's getting involved. I'm sure there's probably players and coaches that have, you know, their wife's best friend has an account. Yeah, exactly. They got they got the proxies or whatever they call them that are making the bets for them. So it's it's a stupid rule, of course. Stupid that you did it. We're gonna have to replace a wide receivers coach. I was kind of leaning toward John Benton, the offensive line coach, and wondering if they were going to think about replacing him. I'm not sure if they do. He's a 49ers carryover um, from the coaching staff, so I don't know if they'll necessarily get rid of him. But the way this offensive line has played recently is just so bad. The interior line is bad. They just refuse to run it up the middle of the uh, interior. Lakin's been bad. McGovern's regressing. Herbig is okay, but like ever since his injury, I feel like it's been kind of rough and – they're I don't just, know. I, 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 I think you look at how how much he's had to 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 deal with, and uh, I think the biggest strike against him, if I'm not mistaken, he was the guy during uh yeah. you know one Jets drive who was like, yeah, Lakin Tomlinson can block Aaron Donald. Like, I think that was him. Oh, I thought like, you were gonna go with the the drunk driving thing in the off season. He got in trouble with like a DUI or something. So just no, no, the questionable, Lincoln, but. But yes, he did do the Lakin thing. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy. Saying Lakin Tomlinson can block Aaron Donald is way worse than a DUI. Um, yeah, he can't block anybody right now. <laughs> yeah. But no, but but seriously, um, it, you know, it, listen, it's that's that was. Who knows why guys have this happen when they go from Pro Bowl, All Pro, whatever, to like just a fumbling, stumbling mess, um, and that's kind of where the Jets are right now with Lakin Tomlinson. But I think all things considered, the O-line has done a great job, you know, holding up through all the injuries. Um, so I, I wouldn't look at replacing him. But um, and again, as we said earlier, you know, they're not running the ball because the QB stinks and teams are stacking the box and there's nowhere to go. Um, I think these next two games are going to be telling. Like if they can't run it the next couple of weeks. And again, I'm not saying run for 150. No. But uh, if they can just, uh, you know, get get the ball going on the ground a little bit with a better quarterback under center, you know, they should. uh I don't think he needs to be replaced. I think they should look at, you know, a veteran QB coach. Um, whatever you got to do to get, you know, whether it's Zach or the next quarterback, like let's get these guys set up, you know, with even more than you've already done to help them. Yeah, and one more thing, just Zach Wilson offensive line. Mike LaFleur mentioned that after that um, first sack uh, on third down for Zach Wilson on that first drive that led to the field goal, he held it a little too long. It was a hot, a slide left protection. Zach should have gotten rid of it. Mike LaFleur came out and admit that he was scared to call five-man protections for the rest of the game. And once Strevler came in, he called some five-man protections, but he always had a a tight end or a running back, somebody inside chipping. So it was very, very questionable look when your uh, offensive coordinator is like, hey, I did not feel confident with just my five guys up front. So it's going to be something to look at. Obviously, offensive line is not – fixed by any means we thought it was heading into the season so many injuries happen that it's just it's depleted the the position as a whole not just tackle but everywhere has been just depleted but with that I think we can touch on Seattle for a little bit um I'm not sure if you have any draft prospects I have two uh just to mention real quick at the very end but Seahawks um you did mention it. They've lost five of their last six. So it's kind of the opposite of the Lions and the Jaguars who were on heaters winning their five of their last six. Seattle's on a bit of a slide. And going to Seattle and playing, um, you know, in the, the cold weather months is not always fun either. I don't know if rain's forecasted right now, but 
if it is, it could get really mucky in, in Seattle. And it's not really, you know, it's, it's a hostile environment. Honestly, their, their fans are pretty rambunctious. They're not, you know, they're not going to dictate the game by any means, but the twelves are, they're always out. Um, obviously I think the first and foremost storyline is Geno Smith, um, a revenge game, uh, DJ Reed revenge game. So both sides have, have a guy coming back to play their former team. Geno obviously took a big hiatus, hasn't played in years. He's doing well, but on a bit of a slide, just like the team is. Um, any thoughts on Gino playing him again? I know it's been a long time since we've had him in New York, but are, are you worried at all about what Gino could do against uh, this defense? Well, of course I am because I'm a Jets fan, and I, I remember um, I didn't I didn't even want to put it out there in the universe, but I, I kind of joked, you know, to myself when uh, when Gino played well that first game or two, and then I remembered Seattle was on the schedule late in the year. I was like, that son of a bitch going to knock us out of the playoffs. Like, I was like, the Jets are going to be surging toward the playoffs and Gino's going to knock them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm not even going to say that out loud. And now we're kind of like, that could happen. But I just, again, I kind of, I, I look at the fact that Seattle is struggling right now that, you know, and the Jets are too, obviously. I just, I just like this Jets secondary too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, may, maybe Gino can torch them, but I will not allow myself to believe that um, until it happens, at which point I will have to accept it. Yeah. But I just think this uh, this secondary is good enough, especially, you know, again, we know how good the corners are. I think they have a really good chance to to shut him down. And uh, but, you know, but the running their run game is a threat. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to um, how well Mike White and the, that O-line play. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be a, a 42 to 41 shootout, but the Jets better be able to put some points on the board and and take some damn shots at the end zone and and you know, stop this, this red zone sputtering us to stop. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a, a shootout by any means, but I do think that the jets will have to come out and, and score more than 20 points, which I know they've allowed 20 points per game, but they need to score way more than they've been scoring the last month, month and a half of football. Um, Geno Smith has a three to one touchdown to interception ratio, 27 touchdowns to nine interceptions. So he's just playing exceptional. 70.7% completion percentage, which I don't know if that's leading the league, but it's got to be top three, top five. Not many quarterbacks are going over 70 nowadays. Um, Kenneth Walker, you mentioned their run game. Um, he's kind of the secondary storyline, him versus Garrett Wilson. Um, I mentioned it last week that Garrett Wilson had a, a very nice opportunity in prime time to separate himself in the offensive rookie of the year, um, at least the betting odds. Um, he's the favorite currently, but I thought primetime against the Jaguars. Hey, let's go Garrett Wilson for a hundred and a tut. And he's going to be like, uh, you know, a big favorite. Obviously that wasn't the case. He ended up having that fumble late in the game. Um, but I look at Garrett Wilson and Kenneth Walker, obviously they don't play each other um, against each other, but they're going to be on the field. Um, and then you also have sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen, two rookie cornerbacks. So it's really just like a rookie showcase in this game. Um, probably two of the best drafts people have been talking about since the draft ended. It's always been the Jets, the Ravens, the Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks weren't there draft weekend, but as soon as the season started, Seattle, all their rookies just started showing up. So Tariq Woolen leads the team in interceptions with six. And I think that's why people keep uh, leaning on him over Sauce as the defensive rookie of the year. But to me, I just, it's no contest. It's there's, there's there's more to it, but exactly and fans and voters love numbers. They love stats. They love the INTs and they love sacks. Yeah, you got to pop some one of those. Uh, Woolen was a guy UTSA. Um, I 
think I shot out a couple of tweets watching him that I thought he was an impressive guy, especially considering the fact that he he was a converted wide receiver. He hadn't played a lot of uh, corner. Mm-hmm. Um, UTSA moved in the corner. Um, I forget which – it might have been Western Kentucky. might have been Western Kentucky and Bailey Zappi. Um, someone, like, toasted him early in the game for a big catch. Um, and then he just settled down after that. And he just he was so smooth, like for his size, his frame. Yep. And I'm watching him run down the field with these receivers, just gliding, you know, and he reached he's, the long limbs. He's had a couple of you know passes broken up. And I thought, man, this guy's a good player. And I was real, I was surprised he went as late as he did, especially when he went to the senior bowl and like he was the mm-hmm. fast guy there. I mean, this guy is that height, he's that smooth, you know, running with other receivers, and he's running like sub four, four, sub four, three, whatever it was. I thought he was going to be a much earlier pick. Um, he's been great. And listen, the bottom line is they've both been fantastic. You know, regardless who deserves rookie of the year, they've both been phenomenal rookie corners. But, yeah, Seattle's had a great class. Jets have had a great class. Um, Kenneth Walker has been – I mean, he, to me, him and mm-hmm. Reese Hall are the best backs in the class. Um, at least I thought coming out, like, if you're going to take a back, take one of those two. So, you know, kudos to the Jets and the, and the Seahawks front office on this class. Yeah, and neither of us mentioned the the other two guys for Seattle, uh, Charles Cross, their first round pick, I believe it was number nine or 10 overall left tackle. And then they doubled up at offensive tackle and got Abraham Lucas, uh, another senior bowl player to play right tackle. And he's just been, he's almost like a Max Mitchell plus, 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 like he's right. just exceeded expectations. He's done way better for himself. Washington a, State. Yeah, Washington State. Yep, he was a senior bowl guy. And mm-hmm. while you're talking, as soon as you mentioned senior bowl, I pulled out my little notebooks from when I went down to Mobile. And I the first thing I did day one, um, being so close to the players, was I just wrote down body types of anybody that stood out to me, you know, the ass and leg guys like uh, Travis Jones and those guys. And then the skinny, slender, smooth movers. And Tariq Woolen was one of the first guys I wrote down. It's just tall, skinny, and just sli- slick with his movements. His back pedal was very nice in, in Mobile. There was a couple other corners, too. I believe Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State. He was another corner that I like. Same frame, same build. But coming out of Mobile, I thought Tariq Woolen was probably going to be a top 50 pick. Just hype, speed yeah. at the combine, everything involved. So, went, yeah. Did he go like round four or something like I think that? he was, uh, yeah, uh, right before. Too late. I think even Kobe Bryant, they drafted another cornerback before Tariq so. Woolen. So they they didn't even, you know, it's it's just crazy how that all that shakes out. Um, probably yeah. the two best drafts in, in the league, at least last year. Um, I'm excited. I mean, obviously it's a must win at this point. Um, we can give predictions. I'll go first. I think. Like you said, it's not going to be 42 to 41, but I do think it's going to be closer to like the Bengals game of last year with Mike White, where it's going to be like a 31 to 27 type of victory because I don't know if Tyler Lockett's going to play in this game, but DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they're still an explosive offense. So it's it's not um, – I'm very confident in the Jets' defense. I always have been this season, but when you face teams like this in their home, when they, they have their backs against the wall, just as, just like you do, anything can happen. So I, I want to say 31 to 27. And I do think the jets win makes week 18 that much more intriguing with Tua and the concussion and, and the possibilities there, but sticking with this week, what's your, what's your score for jets uh, Seahawks? I can't, I can't pick them to lose to Gino, even if it's on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a ton of points. Let's say, uh, let's say twenty-four twenty Jets, but yeah, a lot a loss wouldn't shock me. Put it that way. I think yeah, no matter nope. what, it's going to be a close game. But I'm I'm counting on the old Geno to show up and and have one or two big turnovers. 
um, you know, sort of in big spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see it going either way, but I, I, I cannot allow myself to believe they're not going to beat Geno Smith on the road anywhere on Mars. I don't care. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm picking the jets, but I'm, I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly worried. I think maybe 31 to 27 is a little high on my, on my, it, on listen, my part, but there, I think there it's, is part of me, there is part of me that says if Mike white continues to play the way he did and they clean up the red zone. Exactly. Throw, they could score 37. They could score, you got you there know, six times against the yeah, Vikings. If you even, exactly. if you score three of those, even if you exactly. don't kick the extra point, that's 18 points. Like exactly. that's just a, a huge, it's, it's a different ball game at this point. So yeah, if you even get there, get in the red zone four times and you just go three for four, like you're already there. You, you probably score 20 plus points. So yep. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility by any means. I don't want to pick them to lose to Gino. I certainly can see it, especially you know, you tell the Jets they have uh, one one game to make it or break it, and we know what happens. Ryan Fitzpatrick, three interceptions against the Buffalo Bills. And that the, the Tua thing in Miami is so – It's like, crazy. If, 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 if people are celebrating it, but, like, I want Tua playing against New England. You need New England to lose a game. That Yeah, that – and, I mean, I don't think anybody should be celebrating the fact that somebody's got their third concussion of a season um, that's very alarming. Is it? I thought it was his second. Well, he had the one on Sunday. He played Thursday, had the the really bad one, the scary oh, one. That's, that's and then right, that's right, he had yeah. an ankle injury, which doesn't count towards his head. But then this one. So yeah. he's really been on and off the injury report all year long. And I think it's really unfortunate. I like Tua coming out. And obviously I didn't yeah. want to like – I don't like to root for him that he's on the, right. the Dolphins, he's but good, I'm never like, going to – Exactly. Good, I'm never going to root for him to get hurt. And what yeah. we saw him in college when he got hurt with his pelvis and, and all that stuff that happened, like that was scary enough. So yeah, he's got his own – I saw Brandon Marshall earlier saying like, dude, hang it up. Like, And a lot of people are saying that. Obviously, you know, not like credible people, just, you know, Twitter streets just shouting. But it is right. a serious thing to consider is – are they going to be in the quarterback market because they keep trotting two out there and putting him in danger? I feel like McDaniel keeps saying, Oh, he's got to worry about his safety first. Well, no shit. You should have been in this position to begin with. Nobody should ever have three concussions. In what he means season. is he needs to worry about it. Cause we sure aren't. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like, yeah, sorry, buddy, but uh, we'll cut you a check later. And that's it. Yeah. So it's, it's a really tough situation. I hope <clears throat> new England, Gets a loss. I'm very nervous that they're going to win against Teddy. And then Buffalo locks up the one seed somehow this week, and they bench everybody against yeah, the Patriots. I, I, think, I think as long as Kansas City wins, Buffalo can't lock it up. That's what I think, too, is as long so, as Kansas City wins this week, Buffalo who, who has to. What's Kansas City have? I don't know who Kansas City has, but I know Buffalo plays Cincinnati, and that that's not a, a surefire win either. So it's it's very up in the air. Um that's probably the one little possibility that makes me nervous that's out of the Jets' control. But I think the Jets can do it. Obviously, it all comes down to which version of Mike White. Like right, Kansas, Kansas City's got the Broncos. Oh, yeah, and they're sticking with okay. uh, Russ. With, I mean, hey, interim coach, they could uh, they could play with some, some – I can't even convince myself that that's going to yeah. happen. It's just – that's a nightmare situation. So, hopefully, hopefully everything works out. The Jets – have been blessed with this luck. I don't understand. I don't think we've ever seen a, a stretch of luck like we did last weekend that ended in Mike White being medically cleared. But thank you to the Packers. Thank you to Ramondre like Stevenson. Said, it's not luck. You win how many you win. At the yeah. end, you're in or you're not. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like uh, I we, said, 
Oh, they got help. They backed in. Okay, you were you were in a coma all season. You woke up. I show you the standings. Do you know how anyone got there? Does it nope. matter? No, you're in yep. or you're not. You won enough yep. to get in or you didn't. That's all. Yeah. That being said, if you want to send thank you cards to the Packers and Ramondre Stevenson, um, you're more than willing to do that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 tough. It's a situation where you're excited. You obviously want them to win and you think they can win. They should be able to win. But we just haven't seen it for a, a damn month now. Four straight losses. It's it's not inspiring football. Let's get back to complimentary football. And I know it doesn't do it doesn't do my my uh, my 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 mind or my heart any good, but I still at least once a day I think of that damn New England loss. Oh yeah, either one. Like that, that either one, the sec- especially the second one. New England wasn't going to score that day. Nope. And I'm 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 going to say this now. I've said it before, and I'm, I'm sure at some point, I'm, if they don't make the postseason, I'm going to do a video again talking about it. But to me, after that game, that ten three loss on the punt return. When when Rich Samini asked Robert Sala, first he said the quarterback change was the furthest thing from his mind. Yep. And then when Rich Samini says, did you see anything that made you believe the offense was going to get going? And he said, no. Dude, I hate using hyperbolic. I, di- I wanted to throw something at my television. Yeah, like for you, sure. You literally just said a change was the furthest thing from your mind. And oh, by the way. I didn't see anything that made me believe we were going to score. Yeah, but a change was clearly needed, and you, and you saw that. Ten three. Listen, any yep. week, any time you're in late in the four, even middle late fourth quarter, as a coach, if you're looking at it going, Jesus Christ, I can't see anywhere we're going to score a point. Just pull. What? Give another. I don't care who your backup is. Yeah. Put someone else in there to maybe make something happen. Yeah. So that to me, that was probably the most damning moment of the season for Salah. And I commented on it once. People like, oh, stop attacking him. I'm not attacking. I'm just saying no. that was a bad day for him. Yep. To me, that was even worse than the timeouts thing. Um, but that oh, was for sure. That's yeah. But the fact that you had New England three three late in the game, you yep. yourself admitted you saw nothing from the offense that made you believe they would score, and you still said quarterback change was the furthest thing from your mind. That's terrible. Yeah, it, it's it's not a good look at all. Um, I, I I was going off on a tangent there, and I I was listening to your tangent, thinking of my own, and now I completely I completely lost it. Um, I don't think Salah, you know, oh no, now I, I figured it out. Salah obviously he has to say that in the press conference right after yeah. the game. You know, right. I wasn't thinking about benching him, but right. it, it's funny how quickly he changed to okay. Now Zach has to be benched. I wonder if like you know, the public now with all this access to all 22, like the, the public perception sways opinions a lot in the NFL. I don't think people realize it enough, but Mark Davis with the Raiders, like a well, lot of, a lot, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say a lot of things that he does have been publicly motivated based off outrage by the fans, this and that. So I'm not going to defend Robert Sala and say that this is a, a what happened, but is there a possibility that, Woody might have stepped in and been like, hey, like we got to rock with Zach no matter what. And and until like we all found out that Zach clearly wasn't it, it was like time to, all right, we can't really defend him anymore. I don't know. It's just, it's so tough because who is the one that, that That's wants one of those Zach? Things, you, know, people, you know, people talk about that ownership meddling and all that. And listen, I'm not here to say it doesn't happen. It's just sure. we are so far from knowing whether it's happening or not. It's like, is it even exactly. worth discussing? You know, like right. it's possible, sure, but without knowing, I mean, there, I mean, there's a million things we don't know that go on behind the scenes. You know, mm-hmm. like we watch and talk because it's fun, 
Like, but I, I remind myself all the time, like when I'm like, oh, why isn't this guy playing? Maybe that dude's got a criminal charge pending that the team knows about and they haven't, you know, like you just don't know yeah. what's going on behind the scenes and who's going through what, yep. you know. So I, more thing. Everybody seemed to, and, and us included, myself included, I said he was very selfish. I said he was a yeah. me type of player and it, it was out of character for him, but that was not a good look at all. And they clearly it's like, all right, dude, we kind of understand that you're well, frustrated. And, and I'm not yeah, saying it's justified, but it's just you can see a little bit more unraveling. And who knows I, what's going on behind the scenes. There could have been an outburst of I don't want this and we need this. And maybe he wasn't. So it's just it's very tough. I, 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 see what you, I see what you mean. But the thing that got me most about the Elijah Moore thing, the obvious was that they were winning. Yeah, um, yeah the timing. Yeah. But, but was like it was so early in the year. Yeah, it's like like week six. Can you not deal with three and a half weeks of adversity? Like that's not a good sign for the future. Right. Um. To me, that was like that was the concerning thing. Was it? It was selfish in that you were winning, but secondly, it was like, okay, fine, maybe, maybe Zach Wilson's trying to murder people in the locker room, and we don't. I don't like. It's been. It's like three weeks, and you're melting down. You want to be traded? Yeah. Like that. That was the thing with me. Like how quickly. It went from like yeah, everything's fine, and then like I want out. Like, like I said, mate, I don't know what was going on, but it, it better be something pretty damn bad if you're willing to quit on your team after you know two, three weeks of things not going your way. Um, so, yeah, and those situations are all apples to oranges as far as speculation from the outside right. and and ownership versus player trades and everything. So yeah, it's obviously just umbrellas of we don't have the inside voices telling us what's going on. So it is just, you know, pulling thoughts and hoping that, you know, we could be right. So that's really all it is. Um, I guess it's, do you have uh, any draft prospects to bring to the table today? Um, I have two, if you do not. Um, yeah. I would, one guy I was, they, they played yesterday. I think he had a monster game. I wish we would have done just for that, that aspect of guy that I was going to, I've mentioned him earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with them, the, the problem is right now, dude, like, so many guys are opting out of these bowl games. Like I'm, t- you know, I'm not up to date on every single guy who opted yeah. out. So I got a few that I'm tuning in to watch a player, and I'm like, oh, he's he's sitting at home. He decided not to play. Yeah. Um, but a guy who played yesterday who played really well, who I mentioned earlier in the year, and I really like uh, Cedric Gray, North Carolina linebacker. Yes. Um, had himself a nice game yesterday. Yep. Um, and just he, he was fun to watch, and he's a guy you know draft prospect. Jets need a linebacker. There's a few of them that I like. Um, and, uh, he's, he's not the top of my list, but he's sort of probably in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, on the other side of the ball, a player I talked about, I'll just resurface with him was Drake may he's not even draft eligible, but he looked the part. And I think Definitely. a lot of people are assuming Caleb Williams QB one for 2024, but I think yeah. Drake may in North Carolina has a little bit, uh, something to say there as far as competition. He's not the guy I wanted to bring up my guy. Um, I'm sticking with another theme of senior bowl players. This one's actually kind of a funny one. It's a twofer. They're both Illinois players, and right. they're they're actually brothers. Uh, Chase Brown, the running back, and Sidney Brown, the safety. Safety, yeah. Um, they're both on Feldman's freaks list, the list of athletic freaks that comes out in the beginning of the the season, kind of like midsummer. Um, both uh, were listed at twenty two and a half miles per hour on GPS. Absolutely blazing speed, especially for a running back. Uh, safety obviously that's very good speed they're both uh senior bowl invites like i mentioned chase the running back he's 511 205 um he's a western michigan transfer after 2018 so he's a five-year college player 
He did not play much his first year at Illinois, but he has played well the last three. Um, this season he has 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns, uh, but he's a bell cow, 329 carries. Um, he does have five fumbles. I think that's a little bit of a red flag for me. He needs to tuck it in a little bit more. Um, 57% of his yards come after contact, and I mentioned his speed, but that clearly mentions his contact balance, his you know his willingness to take on contact. He's not afraid. 77 missed tackles forced, according to PFF. And this is something more scheme related, but he ran 62% zone runs, 35% gap scheme runs. And the Jets obviously are more heavy zone, but they do run gap. So it fits the mold of what they want to do. I don't think they're in the market for a running back, obviously, with everything they have. But Chase Brown is somebody that I think with his speed and explosiveness combined, Illinois doesn't get a lot of, of you know, hype throughout the season and they have some really good, especially defensive players coming out this year. Um, so chase was one that I had to watch watching their offense. He just sticks out right away. Sydney, the safety. Um, I didn't watch the film on him yet. I just more have stats, 71 total tackles, uh, 56 of those are solo. He does have a 16 and a half percent missed tackle rate, 14 missed tackles on the season. That's mm. very high. That's um, if you, extrapolated Will Parks stats over the season. It's pretty much on par with what Will Parks does as a backup safety for the Jets. So that kind of gives you the idea of what he could be. Um, he allowed a 58.7% catch percentage and coverage, 342 yards on 27 catches. So it's minimal for a safety, not terrible. Uh, one touchdown allowed, uh, six interceptions and six pass breakups. So, so he does have the ball skills to be a corner or a safety at the next level, I believe. I, I'm, he's obviously a free safety. Um, I haven't watched all the film on him. I've watched maybe some highlights after watching Chase, but I'm excited because they do have uh, Devon Witherspoon as well, another safety or DB going to the Senior Bowl. So Sydney and Chase Brown, brothers, Illinois, kind of a twofer, but I, I like those two guys coming out. Yeah, um, real quick on those two. One really interesting thing, this this blew me away. I mean, Brown, obviously, he's been a big name all year because he's been killing it. Um, but I listened to an episode of the uh, the Draft Dudes podcast, and they were mm -hmm. they did a show a few weeks ago talking about, you know, um, under-the-radar sort of, you know, Heisman candidates. And if you look at his numbers against, like, elite defenses, like top – against top-rushing defenses in the country – like he, he's facing defenses that allow 60 yards a game and he's going for 130. Yeah. Um, he ran all over Michigan. He ran all over Iowa, like big games um, against these defenses that shut everyone else down. Um, and it, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's a shame that the, the Heisman has just become a best quarterback in the country award. So shitty. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Stetson Bennett, I mean, are you kidding me? Get out of you here, know, dude. Not even there's, draftable. There's eight guys on his team who were better than him. Exactly. You know what I mean? There might even be to Jalen Carter better than him. Yeah, exactly. He so made a one-handed sack. Nobody yeah. does that. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they, they need to. They it's silly, but they need to create another award. Have a best quarterback award and then best player in the country award because yeah, like, make the Heisman a non-quarterback award. Make your own QB version of the yep. Heisman and exactly. Yeah, I think so, you're well. You're well on your way. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, hear about uh, Dorian Robinson at uh, UCLA, a quarterback. Um, yep. Big player. I've heard people compare him to Cam Newton. I've I've watched a lot of him because of all the Zach Charbonnet I watched last year and a little bit this right, year. Yeah. Um. Really good. Really productive player. Um. And I'm not sure that someone someone here saying that uh, 
Philly saying that Garrett Wilson is what happened to Moore. I think uh, I think if they spread it around a little more, you know, Elijah Moore would have some catches. Certainly. Um, obviously, he wasn't the top guy, but I think I I don't know. I think it's uh, it was just whatever the reason it was it was kind of selfish that you know so quickly. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, DTR is definitely a good quarterback prospect. I'm not exactly sure how the league views him, but he's certainly right. somebody that with a particular skill set like a Cam Newton that you would have to build around. But yeah, he certainly can do things. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, you mentioned him running, uh, Chase Brown running for hundreds of yards on all these teams. This is right. just 2022 yards totals per game, 151, 199, 146, 108, 129, 146, 180, 149. Like it just doesn't stop. It, yep. There's five more games of 100 and look, yards And look plus. at the opponents, 136, well, that's Michigan State, but 140 against Michigan. Exactly, One, yeah. 146 against Iowa. Yeah, exactly. You know, one one eighty against Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota is not a terrible Minnesota. defense. There's like yep. their Big Ten football is built for for stopping the run. It feels like, and they just couldn't yeah. stop Chase Brown. So nope. definitely intriguing. Um, we obviously went a little over time. Who? What else is new? Uh, it's nice to yep. get back into it. Um, any final thoughts, draft wise, game wise, quarterback wise? No, just at least I told you earlier, I'm going through all the, the player clips I've pulled. I've got, I don't know how many thousands pulled from last year in this for draft prospects. I know we talked about starting to do a draft show. We'll have to, um, we'll have to, we'll talk about that, I guess, once we wrap up here mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and look for more draft content coming because um, drafts come. I mean, you know, now that the Jets are back in the playoff hunt um, for now, anyway, uh, you know, two weeks ago, it felt like it was time to start talking draft, but now, uh, now we're they're right back in it, so we'll see. But in the coming weeks, a lot more, a lot more draft talk coming. Yeah, I, I certainly fell for it after the Thursday night game. Um, everybody was in that lull before the weekend of games when we obviously got you know favorable matchups that helped us. And I, Friday, I woke up and I was like, "Damn, I don't want to start watching these college prospects." And you know, I sat down and I did it, and I was like, "Wow, now I know why I do this because I love watching these college prospects." Yeah. So it's, fun, it's like man. it's like a tough situation of. I want to watch us make the playoffs. I want to watch these prospects. I'm trying to do it all. It's, it's fun, but I, I want some more clarity. And we're going to, you mentioned it, we'll, we'll tease a, a draft show that's probably going to come out this offseason through Jet Nation. Obviously, you and I are going to host it again, probably a shorter pod, make it a little bit you know, easier, more interactive with everybody. So, Because everybody has takes on the draft. And I think it's very important to feed off the, the interactions because you can – you know, you do a mock eight times and you kind of end up with three of the same players almost every time. And it's just nice to have a new voice or a new opinion. Like, hey, what about this player at the same position that you really haven't and looked yeah, at? The drafting isn't, isn't as much fun when you don't have multiple first round picks, I've noticed. Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, uh, I know we pick somewhere in like the very middle, like 15, 16. So it's like you kind of know where they're going to go. I forget where they are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, it's, it's you make the playoffs, you're in the 20s, you know. Exactly. And it's it's, you know marginal what will happen between now and if they make the playoffs it's like a four pick difference so it's really not the end of the world but you kind of feel like it's going to be offensive line defensive line just knowing the general manager and the coach and how they like to be but who who would you take but before we wrap up if you're saying the Jets are picking 23 someone you think might be there who are you taking there that's tough because after they took Jermaine Johnson at 26 last year I like uh the Texas Tech edge Tyree Wilson Obviously, a lot has to go into him being a late first-round pick, but he could have that same trajectory of a nice senior bowl, 
you know, dominate the one-on-ones. He could be a nice edge that I, because I think they're going to move on from Lawson at this point. So I think edge is going to be on the list, high up on the list. But if they go offensive line, that's a tough one. I haven't really studied offensive line, so I'll probably go chalk with Osiris Torrance because I know enough about him that he could play guard and you can kind of make it work with it when AVT comes back. But it's really tough offensively when uh, when you look at the trenches. Do you have a, a specific player in mind? Uh, yeah, and you just stole him, Osiris Torrance. Um, that's the guy. And I, I think McShay mocked him to the Jets. Um, oh, did he really? A couple weeks ago, he did a mock. Nice. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. <laughs> Excuse me, that bandwagon. I think I tweeted out a few weeks ago one or two of his plays. That he is just a brick wall, man. Guys yeah. just stop. They just stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, Return of the Jedi, Rusty Spoonery here saying he's he's watching games religiously, dude. I've not much watched more college football over the past year. I've, I've like I said, yeah. I, I think I, I I must have five thousand clips pulled um, from players. You know. Every every not not just draftable players this year, but guys who I see that I like who are you know if you're a freshman yeah. you make a bunch of good plays in the game you're gonna jump out I'm gonna start pulling clips, um but yeah um he also added one sorry to cut you off uh, Rusty yeah. Spooner added uh, Siak, uh Siaki Ika from yeah, Baylor the Bay, defensive exactly. tackle another senior like bowl a, guy just like a space a, eater up front like if you want to replace your full around Sufadu Kasi and. Quite frankly, we don't really have a run stuffer up front that would do it. I right. know it's probably not like the scheme calls for it necessarily, but that's a guy that he'll he, take on. He, he'll, he'll take two guys on no problem and let a guy like Quentin Williams eat. If I got Snacks Harrison like that, that dude. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he first, he, he's one of those guys because he's so big and plotting, like he doesn't get a lot of – he's not going to get a lot of sack numbers, but he will collapse the pocket and get the quarterback on the move because um, he's just such a big dude in the middle. Um, and again, the Jets will need help there. That I, I said a few weeks ago, they're gonna. I think they're gonna pick a D lineman, possibly interior. You know, a lot earlier than people realize or want. Um, you know, look, they might get somebody in free agency, but sure, you got you got to pair Quinn and Williams with somebody, and you gotta. You don't want to see. You don't want to see Quinn get hurt at all. But you, you hate see that drop off. There's just not a lot of. There's there's like decent depth, but there's no one behind him that's gonna that's gonna strike the fear of God in anyone. And as much as the Jets like to rotate. They're not like most teams. It's not like your backup is only going to play 20, 30%. Like these guys play a lot. Yeah. And Sheldon Rankins is playing like upper 70% with Quinn and Williams out. And I understand Sheldon Rankins is a nice piece, but I don't even think he's going to be on the roster next year to pair with Quinn and Williams. His contract is up and yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to do something. I know just are kind of over the defensive line in the first round conversation, but it's, it's a real conversation because that's where the game is won. We've seen it. We can get back to it and hopefully win football games based on our offensive line and defensive line. Get pushed in the run game. Get sacks and pressures on the quarterback. And play Bryce Huff for God's sakes. He played like six. Oh, it's so sad. What the it's, hell is going on there? I, I that's one it. of those things. I know we've gone over and we said we were about to wrap up, but that's one of those things yeah. where it's like people say, "Oh, what are you? You're not a coach." Look, I say all the time, "I'm not a coach." I don't know the X's and O's like a coach, but I know that guy gets to the quarterback. And yeah. I know that there was nobody else getting to the quarterback. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm assuming like I knew I wasn't seeing him a lot. But when I saw his number, they had like six or seven snaps. And there's Carl Lawson out there not doing anything. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that's one of those things, man. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I don't I don't have, you know, it's there's this big thing nowadays, again, because politics is like sports. Like the second you say something about something that you don't have a degree in, people are like, oh, are you or whatever? How do you know? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the best response to that is like, you know, if I see a helicopter in a tree, I know something went wrong. Like I might not have a pilot's license, but you don't need one. helicopter in a tree is a bad thing. 
Bryce Huff not getting snaps is is Robert Sala's helicopter in the tree. Like it's very obviously yeah. bad. Yeah, and and like you said, just starting a name like Carl Lawson because of the dollars attached to him over the Bryce Huff when clearly he's being more productive. And I understand if you want to argue maybe he doesn't provide you enough on rundowns, that dude has got a motor that does not stop. I saw him as the backside contained defensive end on a run play left. He just stopped, put his left foot in the ground, and cut all the way back and ran to the other sideline to go chase down. He didn't get the tackle. Somebody else got there first. Right. I don't see many defensive linemen running that hard. And you know why? Because he has six opportunities. Yeah. So he has all this energy. Like, let this guy release a little bit of energy on these quarterbacks, and I'm sure yeah. you will find success. I mean, really, there's no reason that guy shouldn't be on the field every third and long. No, it's it's silly. And you're in your third and five or longer. He should and be you have to pay him at the end of this year. He's a free agent and you you know what he is, but you want to argue his sample size isn't big enough. Well, you're the reason his sample size isn't big enough. So if you hand him a big contract and then he doesn't perform well in a big role, that's on you because you didn't give him the big role before paying him. So, yeah, next two weeks, I want to see him get more snaps than Michael Clemens. I understand Clemens is a fine player. Um but just it's silly. It just doesn't make any sense. It's very questionable, especially with Q out. Um, I'd rather see Huff and Clemens get the reps and let cut Lawson's reps. Yeah, cut Lawson's reps, cut Curry's reps. Like it's just I don't understand why we have this. The rotation doesn't need to be this thick all the yeah. time, especially it, you, right now when you need to win games. Yeah, exactly, and I understand Q's gone, so like you have to make adjustments. But it really didn't seem like they made a ton of adjustments to the uh, outside. They just kind of shuffled around the inside and Solomon Thomas and Nathan Shepard are really meh players to begin with. So it's like that drop off is, is disgusting. So uh, that's going to do it for us though. We obviously went a little bit over. That's really going to do it for us. Um, If you want to follow Glenn on Twitter, uh, you can follow him at acefan 23. He, Teased his uh, draft account. Go follow that at Jets Picks, at Jets P-I-C-K-S. He has a ton of videos. Like he said, he's still got to clip them all out and edit them down just to make them tweetable. But he's got them. If there's a small school guy that you're drafting in the you know seventh round of your mock draft, I'm sure Glenn will have a clip for him. If not now, in, in the coming months, he will certainly put it out there. You can follow me on Twitter at DTerriman. Make sure you follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms, YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. We really appreciate all the interaction. Um, we're definitely going to get to a mailbag. We have to. I feel like uh, there's too much stuff going on to not get a mailbag in with this team. Never a dull moment. I feel like that's the cliche with this team. I said last week, let's just enjoy the season. And uh, I'm eating my words already because I haven't enjoyed a minute of it since. <laughs> so everybody have a great night. Uh, let's go Jets. Geno Smith, revenge game. DJ Reed revenge game. Let's see who comes out on top. I'm excited. Thank you, everybody, again. Let's go, Jets.